Welcome to another episode of Between the Bites. My name is Derek on the marketing team here with Executech. And I'm Gary, also with Executech and the marketing team. And today we've got our training manager, Ben Reese, with us. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me again. How are you? Yeah, good. Welcome back. Today we wanted to bring Ben on to talk about training, of course. Training people what it takes to keep them interested. Because some of the things that we train are very important, but not necessarily exciting topics. And then also some soft skills training if we get into that with technicians. Let me kick it off. Go for it. We may have talked about this a little bit before, the fact that Executech offers training to our clients and to our end users. What does that usually entail, Ben? Walk us through why a company would want their staff to be trained. I mean, I think there's some obvious reasons, but why have our IT team come and train them? Right. And what are typically the most common topics? It's a great question. I think a lot of, well, one of the big reasons they have us come train, because most of the time they've just purchased like Office 365 or some sort of software platform, and they want their people to be able to use that platform, right? They're spending thousands of dollars a month on this new platform and they want to be able to use it. So, I mean, they can go the other way and just kind of fumble along and, and try to figure it out on their own, which some clients do. But we've found success in as soon as we do that project and we do that implementation, that then we schedule some training time and sit down with everybody virtually and just kind of go over how they would use that software. So the two most popular trainings that we do currently is we do a SharePoint OneDrive training and then we do a Teams training. And that's predominantly what we train on the most. And what is usually the end goal of these trainings? Is it just basic understanding or are there other goals that the client asks for? Yeah, mainly it's just general understanding. A lot of the times it's the, this is the first time they are seeing this software. And so we need to, A, introduce them to it, explain why they're using it, how it works, and then, you know, answer questions that they would have. A lot of the time we'll do that main introductory training. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll go back and do another training after they've used it for a while where they have their own questions that they can ask that stuff. Yeah. I guess maybe let's peel back the layers a little bit of the actual training, if you don't mind sharing maybe some of just the high level topics. What are what are some of the takeaways that I as an end user could expect to get out of? Let's start with the SharePoint OneDrive training. Right. So we will uh, cover the differences between the two. Tell us what that is, Ben, because I honestly don't know if I could verbalize what the two are, what the difference is. They, they're both in the cloud, right? They're cloud storage. They're both Microsoft. Technically, they're still both SharePoint, but the difference between the two is SharePoint is more of a group file storage or collaboration site where OneDrive is individual storage for that user. So how I explain that to end users is we're all used to having a server in-house you know, we have the accounting drive, we have the HR drive, and then we'd all have our own separate user drives. OneDrive is that user drive. SharePoint are the HR and accounting drives. Gotcha. Good info. So again, what are some more takeaways that I could expect, again, on that SharePoint OneDrive side? Yeah, so we'll explain that. And then we'll do some tips and tricks, right? Like best practices, 
how to sync your files between the two so that you don't necessarily have to go to the website every time. And then just some of those small nuances that would help them be more efficient as they go. What is, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, what's maybe your one of the most common questions you get around those two systems? Probably the most common is what's the difference between the two. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> the one thing that is probably the biggest like light bulb for people when I show them is the collaboration side of just Office 365 in general, but that you can do that directly in SharePoint and OneDrive and how you can sync and make those changes on your desktop, but it automatically updates in the cloud so you don't have to worry about you know having multiple copies or versions of the same file. So that's probably the biggest thing that they're like, oh, wow. Awesome. And then, you know, if, if you don't mind, I'd love to explore again a little bit at the high level on the Teams training side. What can I expect? Yeah, very similar for Teams. We will go and explain the differences. Well, not the differences, but we'll explain what each section of Teams does, right? So you have your chat section, you have the team section, you have your calendar. We'll go through those. We'll show how the calendar syncs with Outlook. And then in the Teams one, we will show a little bit deeper, the collaboration aspect of Teams and SharePoint and all of that in there. So, And what are some common questions or hiccups that people run into for Teams? Some of it is the difference between what chat and what Teams is, right? Because there's a little bit of a difference there. Why you would use those, how to run meetings, how to record meetings, kind of those options when you host a meeting. And then just kind of calendar stuff like what's the best way to create a meeting and and send that out. If you end up with a client who's in the past been centered around Google Drive, do you have issues convincing everybody to transition into the suite? Not necessarily. I mean, that's to me, that's not my responsibility to convince them. That's, (laughs) (laughs) That's their management team that needs to convince them. But at least I can show them what it does. And then they can compare the two. I mean, there's a lot of times where I have one recently that I'm doing the training next week that they have Slack and Zoom. And I'm like, you can actually get rid of both of those and Dropbox. You can get rid of all three of those for teams and be done. And And it makes everyone more efficient because they're in one program, one location. They're not going back and forth trying to remember where stuff is. So. This is a little bit of a tangent, and maybe you know, does Slack do video calls, or is that still not part of it? Uh, that's a good question. I I don't think it does, since that client still had Zoom. Well, there's there's another shameless plug, folks. Microsoft 365, it does it all. That's right. Pretty sure all Slack specializes in is distracting people and annoying <laughs> people. I can't stand that. We're idea. not biased, though. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Never, never biased. <laughs> Power user tip for Teams. Go. Man, put me on the spot, Gary. I would say, like, there's a lot, but I would say shortcut command. So if you do slash in your search bar in Teams, it will give you a bunch of short, like, commands that you can do. So slash D&D will automatically put you in do not disturb slash available will put you available slash who you can actually do slash who and then a name and it will look that person up in teams and it will tell you who that person reports to and all their information, contact information, stuff like that. I think one big power user move in teams is being able to use it 
without using a phone, right? So for me, I can't remember the last time I actually picked up a phone and called somebody at the office or in the organization because I just call them on Teams. Like it's so easy and saves so much time. It is a great tool. Another another thing that I've really liked that's been handy for us is that you can use Teams cross organization. So, and I know that that's an organization setting. And I do want to ask you a little bit more about it, but I do just want to plug the fact that the organizations that I've been able to use it with, it's been very convenient. Is Banner that, I know that's a setting on the back end that's kind of an admin level thing that you can turn on and, you know, it's something that we could help our clients turn on or off. Is there any sort of security concern related to that? Because I know some companies still haven't turned it on for whatever reason. Right. I personally don't think there is other than you do have to be aware of who you're inviting and and maybe make sure that that link doesn't get sent somewhere else. Right. It's kind of like when you share documents, you can share that link. But if you don't set the correct permissions, that link gets forwarded, then they have access. Right. So just being aware, like if you send it, making sure that if it's a meeting that everyone that's been invited to that meeting is in that meeting and there's no like rogue users. I have read lately that that's kind of teams is kind of the new phishing playground Mm. for attackers, right? That they will go get into a call and then they might try to exploit it. So just being responsible on who you invite as a guest and making sure you pay attention to that is probably the best way to keep it secure. So, but guests don't have the same permissions as a member or an owner of a team anyways. Now, by nature, they're they're limited to begin with. Yeah, and every, every time I've chatted with an external party in my teams, it's, you know, I can't send a ch- attachments uh, is, is a typical block, which I think, I think makes sense in most cases for safety. Going back to the client trainings in general, and, and maybe there's not a specific metric in place, but how do you gauge the effectiveness of your training to the client? That's a good question. We don't really have a specific metric we gauge off of. It's interesting because the trainers, Christian and I are not, we're not numbers people. (laughs) So we are very touchy feely, like how it, how it feels like it goes. But one of the, to me, one of the big key indicators on a client training is how much participation and how many questions I get in that training, right? I get a lot of people asking questions and they're engaged. I know it has, it goes better than if it's really quiet. Now, if you're running a training and you have one of those offices for whatever reason, time of day, what they have going on, and the training is just flatlined, what are some ways that you try and uh, bring life back into it, if at all? It can be a little tough. When that first happened, it seemed to be when we started going remote and doing a lot of remote stuff with the pandemic there was a lot of dead space and you kind of have to just be okay in silence, but then also know when to move on. Right. So if you ask a question and nobody's engaged, then you just move on to the next thing. Right. And kind of just keep going. So some training is almost more like a webinar where you're just giving them the information and it may not be reciprocated. But then at the same time, every time I do a training, I set that expectation. Hey, if you have questions, And I don't care how you ask the questions because I want you to feel comfortable. You just ask questions whenever you want. And then we will work with whatever that flow looks like. Got it. Classroom management skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It can be tough sometimes. Another quick question around client trainings before we transition to sort of the other 
Mm -hmm. portion of, of training we wanted to cover today on the episode is, you know, you mentioned Teams, you mentioned SharePoint. I think another big one, and we've, we've talked about this with you specifically on the podcast, Ben, is phishing simulations that will run with clients and the training that then comes after that, helping people recognize links and other common problems. Are there any other trainings that you would say a company should look closely at running for their staff? Those three are probably the top three that I would recommend. We can build trainings if we need to for a specific company. We could even do soft skills, right? If a company needed like a time management training for their group or a communications training, like effective communication, we could definitely build those. We would just base those off what we do internally, but we kind of build those trainings now like that, that if we needed to put them outside of the organization, we could do that. Gotcha. It's good to know. Uh, and that, that does transition us into the other topic of conversation I wanted to ask you about, Ben, is around soft skills training, which is something that, as you mentioned, we do have done for clients, but it's something we do a lot of, frankly, here internally in Executech. So what do we mean when we say we do soft skills training? What does that mean and what does that typically yeah. entail? So the difference between a soft skill and a hard skill is hard skills are for us, they're the technical skills, right? I can set up a firewall, I can build a server, I can fix an email problem. Those are all hard skills, right? They're all technical. Soft skills are which A, are harder to teach, and it's even harder to find sometimes, especially in technical people. But soft skills are like the people skills, right? The how can they communicate with someone or how is their time management or how is their organization? So those are the, the soft skills. And I know the answer is somewhat obvious, but I think it's important to ask why, why train on soft skills? To me, that's the most important part of the job, right? Is having those conversations with those clients. We've had people get hired that their hard skills aren't super high, but they have great soft skills and we can put them in the field and they can be rock stars, right? They can succeed because they know how to communicate. They know the customer service side of things, and then they can pick up the technical hard skills either themselves or find somebody to help them with that. Yeah. When you started this, have you run into any issues with new hires or even kind of an, an old guard of technicians that you're introducing into kind of a more soft skill focus? Do you have any difficulties or have you had any difficulties in the past with getting buy-in on any technicians seeing the importance of soft skills? No one has personally told me that they don't like <laughs> soft skill training. I'm, I'm sure it's not for everybody, right? Like I'm sure some people either feel like they don't need it or they're just not interested in it. But to me, I'm going to teach it anyways. Those are the ones I actually enjoy the most are the soft skill trainings. And so... I'm going to help you be the best version of you if you like it or not sometimes. So here we go. <laughs> Love it. We've done a lot of different soft skill trainings here at Executech over the years. I mean, we've done everything from, you know, meditation best practices to leadership and time management. Ben, what have been your favorite topics, soft skill topics that you've covered? The meditation one was a good one. We've done a deep dive into conscious leadership. So conscious leadership's the the book, but it's like the 15 levels of conscious leadership. And that was actually pretty fun because we did a deep dive. So we did three days of that for an hour and just covered each one. I love the ones where we do like 
16 personalities, which is like Myers-Briggs, or we do strength finders, or we do a four tendency. We've even done love languages, right? Which I think that when people were like, are you kidding me? But it correlates with work and how you show and want appreciation, right? Um, but I love those that it helps people find out more about themselves and kind of seeing their reaction when they do it and go, oh yeah, that's, that is totally me. Or yeah, that, it, oh, that makes sense why I do that now. Yeah. And to go back, I think love languages is got to be one of the most underrated tools for any organization. Yeah. When it comes to personality tests, they're vital. For whatever reason, I guess just who my dad is, I have been taking personality tests and career aptitude tests since I was like seven years old. (laughs) I lost count of how many I've taken. What I really like about them is it's always fun to hear how eerie it can get with describing who you are as a person. And that's any of them from the colors test, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, all of them are, they focus in different areas, but they're all pretty dang good at pinning you down as a person. And I think one of the most important things to focus on is your own weaknesses and not always necessarily to improve them. So for example, uh, my color, I'm a blue, a creative type. Knowing that I can, when I create something, I can get a little bit defensive about it or touchy with any feedback or anything like that. Just knowing that that's where I go, it helps me correct it. I'm not going to try and change who I am as a person in the sense that to not go there anymore if someone gives me uh, iterations or corrections on work that I've done. But just being able to trigger that or notice that trigger, calm down a little bit and then move forward constructively. Red personalities, I think every single one of them needs to be very aware of how they can come across when they're organizing and, you know, directing people not to change their red personality, but just to understand who it is that they're working with and how to communicate with them better. I was raised in a very red household, so my colors are 30% red and I'm 100% guaranteed that that was learned just being raised by who my parents are. (laughs) That's a good point. And, and to be self-aware of those weaknesses or what, you know, how you will react, right? So my, my 16 personalities, my Myers-Briggs, and I'm an INFJ. And INFJs do not really like unconstructive criticism. So for me, I definitely, when somebody gives me some feedback, I need to make sure I take a step back and realize, okay, they're not attacking me. They're just trying to help me improve and and look at it at a different angle than what my typical INFJ would. And I also like what you said, Derek, that uh, it's a lot of these, it tends to be, there's, there's this idea that you take your weaknesses and you want to improve your weaknesses and turn them into strengths. I think there's an idea about that that floats around a lot, but strengths finder kind of just pushes that aside and say, forget about it. Focus on what you're best at. Mm -hmm. And, and then knowing that you can find people and surround yourself with people that can maybe offset your weaknesses and are, are, can help you be aware of them. We could spend, and maybe we do, maybe we take a couple podcasts here over the next few months, Ben, and, and we do a mini version of some of these trainings just so you can share some of the, the leadership management and just personal management techniques yeah. that you've shared with our staff here in podcast form. Yeah, I think that'd be great. That'd be a really fun mini series. I can talk about that stuff to exhaustion, and I'm sure, Ben, you can too. We'll just, yeah, we'll just nerd out on it. <laughs> we'll get Christian in here, and he'll just, yeah. Christian is definitely, he loves 16 personalities, so he he's the guy. This is kind of a fun fact. We When we hire people, 
Christian will try to guess their personality before we have them take their personality test. Cause we will have new hires ask them, Hey, do you want to take a personalities test? And I think he's at like 95% correct. So he's pretty good at, at guessing personalities. So impressive. That's pretty impressive. I can do that with the colors test, but there's only four of those. Yeah. <laughs> Not 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've gotten pretty good at personalities and then the four tendencies, yep. how people respond to expectations. I'm pretty good at pinning that. So just another plug, you should subscribe to our podcast so you can keep getting these. That's right. As we start to make them. Totally. Start teaching some soft skills. Right. That's right. Well, Ben, I think that's the majority of the questions we had around. Uh, again, we wanted to just peel the layers back a little bit on our training department that you and, and so we've mentioned Christian, who we could probably have on the podcast as well. That you guys run both internally and externally, which is an impressive task in and of itself. So we appreciate these insights. Any closing thoughts, Ben, as we wrap it up around just training approaches at, at a company in general? I think that training is vital. So whatever a company can do to have more training, I think it's huge. I've mentioned it before, but I feel just retention wise, especially now to have people stay, they need to feel appreciated and they feel like they have a place to grow. And so that's where the training department or the training area comes from is that growth mindset. So if you can give them an opportunity to grow, then they will become more sticky with you and stay there and be more content. So I think just making sure you have that training is huge for your employees. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll wrap this episode up and then look forward to getting uh, Ben and Christian on here in the near future for a couple of episodes. We'll talk more about the different personality traits and some of these soft skill trainings. Thanks, Ben. Great to have you. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. All right. See you guys. All right.